There's a connection between what we eat and how good or bad we feel. And even worse, one really affects the other. The worse we feel, the more high-fat, high-sugar foods we crave. And the more high-fat, high-sugar processed foods we eat, the worse we feel. Diet and depression, a vicious cycle. Our topic here today on An Organic Conversation. Your show on everything that makes life worth living. I am Helge Helberg. We are what we eat. This old saying about how much our food intake affects our physical health is now being expanded into our mental health as well. In recent years, research has been showing the direct connection between what we eat and what or how we think. In other words, our mental capacity and our mood are the direct result of our diet. Today we are speaking with a psychiatrist specifically about depression and his amazing findings on how much you can address depression through your diet. Diet and depression, a vicious cycle, all that is coming up right after the break here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Stay tuned for more. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Our topic in this hour is diet and depression, a vicious cycle. We are what we eat. This old saying about how much our food intake affects our physical health is now being expanded into the mental health region as well. And I'm excited to be speaking with Dr. James Greenblatt, really an authority as an integrative psychiatrist and the author of several books. His new book is Breakthrough Depression Solution, Mastering Your Mood with Nutrition, Diet, and Supplementation. He's joining us today here on An Organic Conversation from Waltham, Massachusetts. Dr. Greenblatt, do we have you on the line? Yes, thank you very much for having me. Wonderful. Thank you for making the time. This show really has been started around food, about the quality of food, organic agriculture, 
And so many areas of life are directly or indirectly connected to it. Your field of work absolutely directly associated with the quality of food. As a doctor of psychiatry, when and why did you become interested in diet and nutrition? Well, I actually went to medical school very interested in how a diet affects health. And it was actually um, through medical school where I kind of got brainwashed into the medical model and I kind of forgot the reason I went into medical school. And then eventually as I realized the limitations of some medications, particularly with children and attention deficit disorder and depression, I started getting back into what brought me into medicine, trying to understand how food or the lack of nutrients can affect brain function. What was missing for you when you when you just said, you know, I, I kind of forgot why I went to medical school in the first place and got brainwashed by the Western medical system? What, what was that experience for you like? Well, I mean, it's a long process. So it's um, nine or 10 years of, of training in school, sleep deprivation, and eating poor quality food yourself, being up at three in the morning. And um, it's just very, you know, health is not part of the, um, the training of physicians who are supposed to impart health to their um, patients. And uh, very quickly, you know, you get into that medical model and realizing when you go into practice that it's not as effective as we kind of hoped. And it was very easy for me to kind of rethink what is critical for health and particularly mental health. Is it true? Are there these rumors that in medical school you only have basically one day, eight hours, or, or maybe a little bit more of true holistic nutrition teachings within the entire years of studying the Western medicine model. Can you verify that, that we finally have you on the line? Well, you know, the numbers probably vary. Uh -huh. So the eight might be an exaggeration, but it's, it is quite dramatically missing in educating uh, physicians. So there's basic biochemistry, you know, which uh, where nutrients are discussed, but not in any clinical sense. And, you know, when I give lectures to residents, which means people that graduate medical school and have been um, learning to be doctors, their medical um, nutrition knowledge is, is lacking some of the high school students that I've recently talked with or patients that I've seen. So it is a, a terrible shame that nutrition or clinical nutrition is a poorly part of the curriculum and uh, without that core training, there's just no interest later on unless someone finds um, the importance of nutrition for their own health. And did you have nutritional background or why was nutrition always kind of a center point for you when it comes to healing and health? Yes, I mean, I, you know, through college and my interest has always been in, in health and nutrition and so, so diet was important to my life. You know, I think somewhat naively I thought I was going to cure the world with brown rice and kale going into medical school, and it's a little more complicated, and genetics and biochemical individuality, but I certainly did very early on appreciate the importance of good nutrition for health. Diet and depression, a vicious cycle here, our topic in this hour of an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. James Greenblatt, an integrative psychiatrist and the author of his new book, Breakthrough Depression Solution, Mastering Your Mood with Nutrition, Diet, and Supplementation. 
Dr. Greenberg, you are a duly certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist uh, specializing in treating patients with specifically mood disorders and complex eating disorders, and you have done that for well over two decades. We know that healthy healthy diet affects the, the physical body, and we all now know that the physical and the mental are much more related. The blood-brain barrier that was promoted some years ago doesn't really exist. What we, what we eat, that's what we, who we are, both in our physical ability and, and health, as well as in our mental health. Would you say because there are so many different mental conditions, anorexia is one of them, um, that you or, or eating disorders, depression is another one. Would you say that in your experiencing, all psychological conditions are affected by food to one degree or another? The short answer is yes, absolutely. You know, eating disorders for me kind of legitimized my work um, as a physician, you know, uh, maintaining a, a career in, in traditional medicine because uh, patients with eating disorders are profoundly malnourished and we see effects of um, brain function with our patients with um, anorexia who restrict their intake of nutrients, have the highest risk of suicide, highest mortality rates, and highest rates of depression uh, of many other uh, psychiatric illnesses. Mm. So that relationship is quite uh, profound, but we've seen it across anything from ADHD in young children to schizophrenia to dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So the, the brain is this incredibly metabolic organ, you know, utilizing 20%, 25% of our metabolic energy. So any nutritional deficiencies will affect brain function before other parts of the body. So let's dive into that a little bit more. There is a connection between what we eat and how good or bad we feel, but even worse, it seems to be affecting one another. The worse we feel, the more we actually crave food that make us feel even less well or good about oneself. The more high-fat, high-sugar foods we usually crave, uh, chocolate, chips, like all those things that are not good, which then in return make us feel even worse. Is that correct at large as a statement? And can you explain that connection for us? Well, there's tremendous um, research in this area, both with animal studies and now beginning in human studies, that if we feed our uh, lab animals, uh, you know, rats and mice and monkeys, these very high-fat, high-sugar diets, we develop uh, the brain patterns. And uh, we see this on you know, if we open up the brain or on PET scans with these animals, of addiction. So the concept of food addiction being a, uh, created by these processed artificial foods is becoming a scientific reality. So we have that research now. And then whenever you use the term addiction, it becomes a very powerful motivating force for the brain to get those rewarding chemicals. And they happen to be in food that can cause some um, physical and mental um, ill health. What are those specifically? Is it the high fat, high sugar? Is that just too much for the brain to handle and we get hooked on that? Or is it the thousands of food additives that are allowed and uh, that have never been studied in the in the combinations there are, you know, that are included in some of those foods? Which one is it most? Well, probably the most research um, and well-documented published research is in feeding animals um, and seeing the effects of sugar. 
Um, so high sugar very quickly develops addictive qualities, uh, brain chemistry changes. Mm. The high fat has also been shown to have similar qualities, and some of the studies looking at fat and sugar combined. Uh, some of the high-fat high studies are, were more individualized. Um, so one of the important components of any discussion around nutrition and mental health is that we don't all have the same responses to foods or nutritional deficiencies, the tremendous genetic and biochemical variations. But sugar at large is one of the key culprits. Um, how much research is, is, has been done on, on food additives? Again, if, you, if I uh, look at research from the FDA or approvals, usually one ingredient gets approved, but the cocktail effect, the hundreds or thousands of, of food additives that are legally allowed to be included have never really been studied in combination or in reaction to one another, much less in reaction to fat or sugar and what they do and their effect on the brain. What, what research is known or, or needs to be done from your point of view? Well, as you said, very few of these chemicals are actually um, always studied to the extent they needed to be. I think um, there was an old uh, diet called the Feingold diet, which was used for ADHD-killed uh, children, so it eliminated uh, dyes and additives in young children. And there was a positive response to a number of kids um, in improvement in behavior symptoms. And then as a pediatric community, it was mainly a consumer movement in the 70s and 80s, parents, and the pediatric community actually did research so they looked at it, and they took 100 kids, and not everybody improved. So they discounted this concept that, that food dyes and additives might have an effect on behavior. But what has done, been done more recently uh, by groups in, in London is they were able to look at genetic differences, those individuals that had genetic differences in how they metabolize a chemical mm -hmm. called histamine. Um, so there's a subset of kids that clearly uh, did worse on these uh, food dyes and additives. So there's more and more research demonstrating that a subset of individuals do respond with behavioral disturbances, in children anyways. But I think your point that many of these chemicals are just not tested, you know, has to be rethought. Yes, we're speaking with Dr. James Greenblatt, the authority on depression and many other mental conditions and diet and nutrition about his new book, Breakthrough Depression Solution, Mastering Your Mood with Nutrition, Diet, and Supplementation. Uh, he's the chief medical officer and vice president of medical services, and he's calling in from the Walden Behavioral Care Center. Dr. Greenblatt, stay tuned. Uh, we want to talk specifically about depression in this hour of an organic conversation and your findings and, of course, your book, what you have found could be considered as kind of the optimal approach to, to nutrition uh, for people who experience depression to one degree or another. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned.
We are what we eat, not just physically, but also mentally. Diet and depression, a vicious cycle, our topic here in this hour of an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Our guest today is Dr. James Greenblood, an authority on the work of nutrition, diet, and mental conditions. He's an integrative psychiatrist and the author of a new book, Breakthrough Depression Solution, Mastering Your Mood with Nutrition, Diet, and Supplementation, among... How many books do you have out, Dr. Greenblatt? Five more? Is this Five the books, fifth? yes. We just finished <laughs> the sixth one on ADHD. Yes. Thank you for all your work. And again, thanks for making time in this hour here for an organic conversation. Talking about specifically depression, what usually takes place? Are we seeking comfort when it comes to depression? And that's why we crave uh, unhealthy, high-sugar, high-fat foods? Or wh what have you... What have you seen and why have you specialized your book specifically on that area? Um, you know, the book is a focus on, on how to understand the role of nutrition and uh, depression. So it, it really focuses on the concept that everybody's different and some individuals um, are nutritionally deficient in, in major trace minerals, magnesium, zinc, Others might be deficient in vitamins like B12 or hormones like thyroid, and others might have um, GI imbalances. So we kind of try to redefine, you know, what psychiatry has been, which is a Prozac deficiency or a medication deficiency, and help individuals kind of understand what might be going on for them. You know, diet is, is weaved into the entire process as uh, some good foods might be bad, like and celiac or food allergies, and uh, oftentimes the sugar and the junk food can kind of precipitate these nutritional deficiencies. If you're not eating nutrient-dense foods, you're much more likely to be deficient. Do we know why people who feel depressed, is that for the same chemical reactions of sugar in the brain? It just gives at least a temporary high or uplift? Uh, and is that the case? Do people with depression usually crave... Uh, high-fat, high-sugar foods? I think it really varies. I think depression, there's not one diet that individuals are drawn to. Uh, many individuals stop eating and lose weight, mm -hmm. so there's not the high consumption of uh, sugar or fat. Others are binging on foods like sugar and fat because their chemistry is such where it gives them some temporary relief. So there hasn't been kind of one kind of uh, dietary kind of either restriction or cravings that we found with depression. Everyone is different. But interesting when you say some mineral deficiencies in their diets, uh, many, many elements in our diets assist other elements to be taken up by the body. So if one thing is missing, often several others are affected, at least in their uptake. Magnesium, calcium, of course, is the maybe the most known, but there are many more correlations where if you are not on an optimal diet, Uh, it's not just the single nutrient that's missing. Usually or often it affects many others. Can you speak about that, the complexity of wholeness? As much of our nutritional information for our body is, is obtained from food because nutrients aren't isolated um, vitamins in a health food store, if you will. They're part of complexes and they come together. So kind of whole foods is where we're looking for both the trace minerals as well as all the phytochemicals that we know can be helpful. But as, as you describe, uh, oftentimes it's not an isolated deficiency unless it might be a genetic uh, B12 deficiency. So there's usually 
if there's uh, one thing we see very common in depression is very low levels of zinc. And oftentimes that could be precipitated by high copper. So it could be high copper due to intake in copper pipes or for, for some other reason that creates a zinc deficiency. So we need to kind of treat both to support recovery from depression. How does high copper create a zinc deficiency? It binds the zinc and, and leaches it out of the body? or Well, it's kind of like a seesaw, not dissimilar to magnesium and calcium. So as copper level goes up, then uh, zinc levels go down. They use some of the same uh, proteins to carry them around the body and, and enzymes. So as copper is increased in the body due to environmental effects, zinc levels go down. It's not as available to the brain where it's critically important and the digestive tract where it's utilized in all the digestive enzymes. Great. Well, as diet and depression is a vicious cycle or can be, so can also nutrition absolutely address and support uh, optimal physical and perhaps optimal mental health. Let's talk about your new book. What does good nutrition for the brain looks like and, and what would we need to provide for an optimal mental state? Well, the book focuses on, on two aspects. Um, part of it is you know, what we call nourishing the brain, which is looking at all the uh, nutrients that can affect a brain. And the second part is called nurturing the mind, where we look at mindfulness and other kinds of effects that uh, stress and um, uh, lifestyle changes could help. The nutritional piece is really based on uh, nutrient-dense foods, uh, essential fatty acids being critical, you know, whole grains with adequate B vitamins and, and protein, uh, particularly with those with depression. I'm a very firm believer about making sure individuals have adequate protein because all the neurotransmitters in the brain that people talk about, serotonin, dopamine, they're all made from uh, the amino acid precursors in the foods that we eat. So in regard to depression, what would that look like? Uh, what's, what is, if, if you had, you know, if, if you work with patients and they come in and you give them an, an, a dietary recommendation, what would a breakfast, lunch, and dinner actually entail? Well, again, the dietary recommendations are typically based on testing, understanding if there's deficiencies in zinc, B, vitamins, uh, or allergies, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So all dietary recommendations are kind of tailored and personalized. Individualized, right. So that's really the critical part, particularly someone who's really struggling with depression. But the the kind of generalized approach would be, you know, nutrient-dense foods, protein at every meal, and oftentimes digestive enzymes to help digest the protein that individuals are eating. Because I see many patients who have tried to, you know, buy the most expensive, best organic foods and are still struggling with depression. And when we look at the testing, we find them very deficient in these uh, essential fatty acids or protein. And by a dietary intake, they should be getting adequate food as well as nutrients. So again, they're just not absorbing it. So particularly as we get older, digestive enzymes are critically important to help digest all the healthy food that many people are trying to eat but not absorbing. So your best recommendation, and we are speaking with Dr. James Greenblood, integrative psychiatrist and author of Breakthrough Depression Solution, a new book, Mastering Your Mood with Nutrition, Diet, and Supplementation. Uh, the website is jamesgreenblattmd.com. 
And uh, he's joining us today from Waltham, Massachusetts, as the Chief Medical Officer and Vice President of Medical Services, Walden Behavioral Care. If somebody is struggling with depression, what would be the steps, in addition to perhaps getting your book, but would somebody work with a holistic nutritionist and get a profile, or would that be something done that a, a medical practitioner could do? What would somebody need to ask for in order to know what would need to be addressed if they are not being well, treated I, I by, think, by you? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to make sure that someone is seeing a mental health professional to understand um, what, um, with the diagnosis, is depression. And then working with their physician, it could be a primary care doctor or psychiatrist who's knowledgeable, that you want to make sure that it's not a, a thyroid disorder, it's not a hypothyroidism, or it's not a simple vitamin deficiency. And so B12 and vitamin D and iron all should be tested for. And, and if someone is obviously suicidal, they should get help right away. But if someone was just struggling with sadness and fatigue, then working with a good holistic nutritionist, someone who can look at an individualized plan, you can begin to piece apart both dietary recommendations and supplementation that might provide some really core benefits that, in my world, sometimes can be used with medications. Oftentimes, it can replace medication. And it's exactly the Eastern-Western approach that after you studied medicine were missing and, and brought back for your life and your work with your patients, right? Working with, a, with an MD to establish kind of a baseline and see what's going on um, on a biochemical level and, and then working with a holistic nutritionist to address those possible imbalances. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, too many of my colleagues have either gone... And, and only use medications or others have given up medicines and only use herbs. And I think mental illness in particular is just too complicated. Um, and oftentimes the tragic outcome can be drugs or, and or suicide. So I think it's important to integrate, um, you know, the best of Western medicine as well as an important, um, you know, holistic understanding of integrative therapies and nutrition, I think, being the most important. What have you seen in your in your patients, um, having dedicated almost three decades to this work of your life, your professional career, uh, specifically in recent years, addressing depression through diet or in combination with other treatments perhaps, but do you have a couple of stories that you can share of, of what people were able to, to recreate? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, again, seeing patients who've often been to alternative practitioners, the alternative practitioners have just tried kind of their one approach. It might be everyone using this vitamin or just taking this one test. And what we're able to do is take a broader a broader approach. So, um, you know, recent individuals that we've treated for depression, some have had celiac disease. So they've had a wheat intolerance that has caused a GI tract destruction and pretty much malnutrition of the essential amino acids and folate and zinc. And once we um, supplement these nutrients as well as get them off gluten, the depression resolves and it's no longer. Uh, other patients, I talked about the patient who, um, you know, is eating this organic diet and spending a lot of money on healthy food but not feeling any better. And a number of patients we've seen over the past year like that. 
and that's where they needed digestive enzymes. So a little hydrochloric acid in digestive enzymes, they were able to break down that organic salmon that was flown in from Alaska um, so they can get the essential fats and the amino acids from their foods. Hmm. Super interesting. Uh, now having released this book, what is your current focus of, of research? It seems like you made the connection, you saw the connection. It is now established through enough research to, to at least show a direct correlation. Uh, where where's, where's your interest taking you now? Well, my energy now is to, uh, what you brought up initially, is trying to educate my colleagues and physicians. We have a, a kind of a companion textbook um, that was published for physicians, um, mm -hmm. 700 pages, 3,000 references going in great detail on integrative therapies for depression. So I hope to um, teach and educate physicians on to how to look um, for nutritional deficiencies, how to prescribe um, nutrients, and whether it's integrated into a pharmacological approach or solely as an um, adjunct approach. Yeah, we often have people here on the show, guests, experts really in their field, who would answer the exact same way you just did. It's an ongoing struggle or challenge at least or opportunity to bring a, a more holistic approach to you know a great system i th i personally think the the western medical system has tremendous benefits or tremendous uh, things to offer value for us but of course the strongest is the combination of of western and many other holistic or eastern um, philosophies and approaches How successful is that work for you? How how much have you seen a, a shift in, in the mindset of how we approach health overall? Well, I think it's been pretty dramatic. Um, in my 30 years of practicing, we now have academic medical centers with departments of integrative medicine in, in journals, academic journals, which were mostly psychopharm, now has lead articles on, on inflammation and vitamins and nutrients, And a recent uh, review articles looking at, you know, nutrients that might enhance the effect of uh, antidepressants. So the times are changing; uh, they really are, and it's it's nice to be kind of part of that. I, I think mental health is always a little slower because the human condition and brain and our understanding of mental illness is so far, you know, less than there is in other physical illnesses like heart disease. But we're getting getting there, and, and the times are getting much more open to looking at how nutrition affects mental health. Fantastic. Well, that's Dr. James Greenblatt, integrative psychiatrist and the author of Breakthrough Depression Solution, Mastering Your Mood with Nutrition, Diet, and Supplementation. Thank you for all your work, and I hope we'll have you back in a year from now and uh, with a great update on how much success you've had bringing all your knowledge and observations into the general medical field. Um, please let us know how we can help with that, and I hope the show adds to that conversation that is so needed. Great. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That's again Dr. James Greenblatt, integrative psychiatrist and author, Breakthrough Depression Solution, jamesgreenblattmd.com, the website. He's the author of five books that you can all purchase on Amazon. Again, Dr. James Greenblatt.
He's also the chief medical officer and vice president uh, medical services, Walden Behavioral Care Center, duly certified as a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, as well as a medical doctor. In this hour of diet and depression, a vicious cycle, our topic here today on an organic conversation. Yes, we are what we eat, not just physically, but also mentally as the idea of separation between the blood-brain barrier, the physical body, and the mental body, the brain, does not really exist the way we believed it does. Everything we take in affects the entire system, our entire body, and that includes our mind. Diet and depression, a vicious cycle. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and... As we are talking about healthy nutrition and optimal food intake, we will hear an update from the world of produce. What's in season is next. Stay tuned. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. Fascinating new research showing the connection between food intake and mental disorders, such as eating disorders or depression, diet and depression, a vicious cycle, our topic here in this hour of an organic conversation. And this interview really brought out the importance of combining Western medicine with holistic or Eastern philosophies and medical approaches to optimal health. In this case, getting a medical baseline established about our physical ability to uptake nutrients, what our mineral profiles are, if we have any allergies that might limit our food intake or nutritional uptake. And then with those findings, work with a holistic nutritionist perhaps to address those needs that our body has. Fascinating interview. And yes, the quality of our food intake in this, of course, is critical. And we're staying with the topic of optimal food intake. As we are looking at the produce doc now in August, here's the question of what's in season. And as always, with us is now the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Organic, the founder and owner of Earl's Organic Produce, Earl Herrick. Earl, do we have you on the line? 
You sure do, Helga. Hello. Hello. Um, I don't want to ask you what the hot item of the week is before I tell you about the interview we just did. So interesting, and it's something you and I have talked about many times, actually. Diet and depression, a vicious cycle. I was talking with an authority in the field, Dr. James Greenblatt. He is an integrative psychiatrist and the author of a new book about addressing depression through mastering Uh, your your nutrition diet and supplementation intake. And mm -hmm. he was saying in so many physical and now research has shown even mental conditions, high fat, high sugar is maybe what we crave, but without an optimal diet, uh, you most likely will not be able to address the underlying causes of depression, which are not just mental, but so often also at least uh, physical in this case uh, mm -hmm. through, through mineral deficiencies, etc., And we have always spoken about an optimal nutrition intake, of course, no chemicals, no um, additives added to your food. So a clean diet, which often stands for an organic diet and rich in healthy, fresh foods, produce in this case, uh, really makes a huge difference, even yeah. what medical research has shown. And I know this is what you live and preach and believe in and <laughs> have always said. And you even have an interesting take on that, right? Yeah, uh, most recently, um, I have a son who's an athlete, and he um, plays around with his diet a lot with supplements and different uh, high carbs, high protein. And he introduced me to a very low carbohydrate diet some months ago, and I've gradually translated over to that. And for me, that's pretty much taken out cereals and grain um, and a uh, big emphasis on protein and leafy greens and vegetables. And it's, it's fascinating. You know, for me, I, I grew up at toast every morning, cereal, granola. I mean, the whole deal, lots of pasta. I love pasta. And to remove that, uh, maybe it's a timing issue for me, but it's entirely natural and not difficult, knock on wood. And I feel great. I've lost some weight. Um, though I do have a side effect that I'm just starting to realize, and I don't know, what it's associated, what the association is, but my knees are killing me. <laughs> Now, I'm also at a certain age that that's not particularly unusual, and maybe there's some mineral, I don't know. It's just interesting. I love using my diet, using my body to, to in, a, in an investigative way to, to find, to determine what is the optimum for you. And also, I've been doing this for Yeah, I'm playing around with my diet for 40 years, and to see me change from uh, strict vegetarian to a little bit of fish to now, you know, a fair amount of meat, it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Dr. Greenblatt was saying that protein, because of the amino acids, really important carriers and nutrients in themselves and, and responsible for, for other elements and other uptake processes in the body, really important when it comes to mental health, in this case specifically uh, addressing depression. Um, and I know your athlete son, and that's Ben Herrick, a, a really amazing baseball player, a pitcher in fact, shout out to Ben has, you know, as an athlete looked at diet and really is feeling the impact of diet literally on a daily basis, right? He, he knows oh, yeah. what he's eating is affecting his performance. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, being in the business, being in the family, he's, there's always been an attention on food and now he's taken it to a, his, he owns it in a different way. He's just totally investigative and uh, willing to try different things. And, um, 
you know, he's challenged by the changes that occur, but, you know, it's, it's fascinating, and I, and, I, and I use him to, uh, I mean, isn't it wonderful your children get to grow up and, and give you input and, and give you direction? <laughs> so, yeah, he's, um, he's fearless in that way. So, you know, very fascinating with, with experimenting. Yes, great. Well, let us know how your diet is going. And Dr. Greenblatt was saying that, you know, it's as individual as we are individuals. What works for one might not exactly work for somebody else. But of course, yeah. without a healthy yeah. diet, you are missing the basis of for all of it for any real holistic health approach. Mm -hmm. Speaking yeah. of that, and coming back to produce, of course, as one of the key building blocks for a healthy diet, Uh, what's what are we looking at season wise? We're in August now. Oh, it's almost yeah. it's almost like fall is knocking on the door. I feel like we've kind of you know, yeah, peaked. You know, We're rolling out. It, yeah, <laughs> I've had you know my garden, my arugula has started to go to seed, and uh, you know there's less uh, uh -huh. new um, flowers on my tomato plants. So <laughs> there, there's no doubt. You know, for us, there's so many choices to be made, and well, we're going to talk about uh, grapes right now. Uh, it's they are around for such a long period of time because there's a the season uh, you can get them uh, out of season out of uh, South Africa. There's a Mexican season and there's a desert season. So right now we're enjoying a very local in California where uh, the, the harvest is literally right in the valley. Um, there are of course endless varieties. Mostly you you can determine them by green, red, and black, and and mostly now we're very much in tune with the seedless grapes. But there was a time where, uh, years ago, when I first got into business, uh, the wonderful grapes with seeds were very, very important in our diet and, and were prevalent everywhere. So there's endless amount of uh, varieties of grapes, and there's some uh, great old varieties that were around when I first got into business. I'll just uh, name off a couple. And you might very well see them around, but that's a Rebeer, which is a big, dark, black uh, grape with seeds. There's one called a Tokay, which was the red uh, seeded variety, and then there's one still made uh, wine from, and that's the Muscat, which uh, oh, many yeah. people understand as that, <laughs> is that uh, dessert wine. But So those are just some old varieties that you don't see too much. I want to also talk about some new specialty grapes that you don't see as much of, and they're not around as long, and this is the time to get them. And I'm going to name them and then go back and quickly uh, talk about them. There's a Peony, there's a Concord, there's a Champagne, and another one's called a Stella Bella. Um, Stella Bella is the most recent. It's about three years old. It's a proprietary grape of a grower down in the valley uh, near Delano, and the characteristics are that of this is a very large, crunchy, Uh, green seedless grapes that is not too sweet. It's incredibly refreshing. And a part of the development was to develop a grape that could handle international shipping. And this does have a shelf life that's quite long, but you don't lose anything with flavor. This is one, again, if you have an opportunity, it'd be a large green grape Stella Bella. Another and, one is that champagne. And then that when, is, when, you, when you talk about proprietary uh, variety, that grower used organic methods to crossbreed yeah. um, different grapes to, yeah. to then uh, kind of establish one grape that he could 
plant and grow from then on, right? Like an, a, a safe, established variety oh, yeah. that would um, reproduce itself in the same shape and form over and over again. To, of course, totally organic, but that's why when you have established such a variety that ships well and, and handles and has a fairly good shelf life, of course, that is worth years of, of research and development in that mm. way. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, the R&D uh, department of, of, of some of these growers is, is incredible mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're trying to refine, you know, their craft and, uh, and, 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 of course, still remain within the bylaws and the growing methods of, of um, organic. certified organic. Sure. Yeah. And then champagne, those are the yeah. little guys, right? Yeah, they're actually Azante Current. And which you may know, people bake with it all the time. It's like that really tiny, tiny little raisin. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where that comes from, the champagne grape. And that name is not really verified other than with the one grower that I deal with. And um, he, he, he's not really sure how that became called a champagne grape. But they're very, very uh, tightly bunched, very, very small. And Sweet. you can actually eat the whole bunch, the mm-hmm. seeds and all and stems, because they're so small. And then the gives you that little adage roughage. Um, the two other ones, the peony and the concord, are both seeded, slip-type um, grapes, meaning that the skin can come right off. If you remember the concords uh, growing up, concord grape juice, where out here there's, first of all, 95% of all grapes are grown in California, special table grapes to be eaten. Uh, the season is about two months long, and uh, the, the concord is dark, very sweet and, and kind of small, round. And then the, the peony is a lighter purple, very long, very large. Uh, it's also seeded. Um, it's got kind of a candy flavor to it. And there's so much flesh to it that the seed really gets lost. Because I know some people say, oh, I don't want to eat seeds of my grapes. Well, yeah. try the peony. It's so interesting that you say that because when I grew up, the seedless was a total anom- an anomaly. Yeah. I remember uh, every grape was, of course, you would spit out or you would swallow them, but you would spit out a couple seeds. And that's why I actually, as a little boy, didn't really like them that much. But yeah. I remember yeah. the first seedless grape and I couldn't believe it. It was, mm-hmm. And now I think in the marketplace, you see more seedless than not. Is that oh, a fair? Definitely. Yeah, that's a fair yeah, statement. Yeah. Yeah, for that very reason, uh, people uh, just like the, you know, the convenience, if you will, not yeah. having to worry about uh, about seeds. Um, yeah, I think you lose a little bit with flavor from some of those old varieties. Sure. Um, but you know, there's so many grapes around. This is the time. Great. There will be a few varieties that last way into the fall. Do you the, when you buy them? Do you keep them in the fridge just as a storage yeah. tip, or what do you what do you do with grapes? Well, well, come out you want to look at the stems and the stems should be vibrant green and they shouldn't look wilted and brown and and deteriorating that's really the first indicator of uh, of freshness um and if you're going to eat them right away i leave them on my counter because again the room temperature is going to give you your, your highest flavor that you can get out of an item mm-hmm. but if you're going to keep them for a couple of days over the weekend or however long put them in the refrigerator if you know you're going to eat them, uh, perhaps uh, get up early, take them out of the refrigerator for, if you want to have them for breakfast. Or, but they certainly won't go bad in a couple of hours. Right. Um, but refrigerate, refrigerate what you're not going to be eating in that day, and you can certainly uh, put them in a bag. Um, and only wash them right before you eat them, right? 
precisely. And it's such a great item for summer to to prep up ah. any meal almost, like even savory dishes mm. taste and, and, and wonderful with some grapes thrown in, mm. even pasta yeah. sauce, of course, salads come to mind. This is kind of a yeah. time to integrate them either you know as a single item or integrate them into anything you eat. They're easy to carry. You know, they're, they're not going to bruise that easily. Of course, if you sit on them, they're going to squish. But, you know, in a, in, a, in a large purse or a bag or a backpack, they mm -hmm. hold up well. Um, yeah, great popcorn alternative if you go to the movies and, it's, you know, yeah. instead of having 1,000 calories or 1,500 calories in one bag of popcorn, <laughs> which is wonderful. But, uh, you know, if you want to look at your calorie intake, grapes are such a great little snacky item to have. And, yeah, they are phenomenal right now. Wonderful purifier. They are really the essence of summer. You know, this little contained little capsule just explodes with flavor and sweetness. You know, it's really quite a treat. Great. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> you totally got me hooked. I'm going to get some grapes today. Yeah, get out. Get out. Share. <laughs> That's Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. That's earlsorganic.com. Check out the website for produce tips and so much more and what's up this week on the produce doc that will translate into your produce aisle at your grocery store within yeah. the next days if not this week already thank you so much earl we'll have you uh, back with a new item next week yes yes <laughs> to talk about. sounds great okay can't wait thanks so much talk soon <laughs> bye and that wraps up another hour of an organic conversation in this week of diet and depression a vicious cycle or healthy diet and an optimal state of mind and an optimal state of the physical body as the alternative produce and diet and nutrition, mastering your mood, Breakthrough Depression Solution, the new book that we discussed with Dr. James Greenblatt and what's in season, of course, with Earl Herrick. Again, the website is earlsorganic.com. We'll be back with another great topic next week. I'm Helge Helberg, and thanks so much for listening. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. A big thank you to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? Anyone can buy directly from Earl's Organic at wholesale prices. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine without synthetic sulfites or other preservatives. Family owned and operated since 1980. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y wine.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. 
If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at anorganicconversation and our Twitter handle is talkorganic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here. Same place, same time next week. See you then.